Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging, maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. Luke chapter 2. Oh, I love Jesus. I'm thankful for what I feel in his house. Verse 41 through 4. Let's read all the way through 52. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year. Everybody say every year. At the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. That's okay, except for, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. That's a problem. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they, being his parents, saw him, they were amazed. His mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not I must be about my father's business? They understood not the saying which he spake unto them. If you're a parent that's ever been in a place where you don't get your kids, you're not alone. He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. I want to draw my assignment today from the 44th verse and preach to you on this topic, kinsfolk and Acquaintance. I'm going to lay my microphone down. I'm asking that we would lift our voices in prayer that the Word of God could do what it needs to do in every heart and every mind in this room. Would you pray across this building? Those that know how to pray, would you lift your voice and would you pray right now that His Word would do its work? Amen. Let everybody say in the name of Jesus. You may be seated here today. I would turn your attention to the screens to tell you I found something that would have helped Mary and Joseph on this particular day. (laughs) And all the parents said, the Lord is good. 
I'll never forget, I was just a teenager walking through the mall when all of a sudden a little kid that was walking, I did not see his parent that had already slipped into the store, but I'll never forget walking and all of a sudden this kid vanished to the right. He was trying to wander, but mama had him on a leash. He went with her. I've come to preach a very simple message, but I believe it to be from the heartbeat of God to us where we are and in light of where we are going. I say it without any apology. I say it as clear as I know how. God's desire is to bring great revival to the city of Indianapolis. And when I say revival, I say it intentionally. I think there is meant to be outreach and I think there is meant to be evangelism. But I also think there is meant to be a reviving, a stirring, a calling back to awareness. Those who have heard about him, those who have known him, and those who have possibly walked away from him. And I I make again no apologies at the beginning of this message when I tell you the enemy has lied to some people telling them that they could never be restored. But I rise to the occasion on this Sunday to let every devil in hell know we know that they are liars that the devil is a liar and an accuser of the brethren and there is going to be revival in the city of Indianapolis we've been seeing it but I believe we've only been scratching the surface not every person that returns to him will have been from an apostolic church but they will have been from some life experience where grandma or great grandma or mom or dad or brother brother or sister or co-worker told them about Jesus but somehow they wandered away from him and I've come to serve notice today the Lord is ready to give a great revival where those who have heard about him are going to come into fresh relationship with him I believe there's meant to be a revival where we don't just talk about him but we talk to him we don't just worship in light of him but we worship him for ourselves away from convenience and into covenant can I get a witness in this room that we know I am the Lord's and he is mine he gave his life for me and I give my life for him greater love hath no man than this that he would lay down his life for a friend that's the kind of revival I'm talking about and with that in mind and the prompting of the Holy Ghost I would tell you it is my clear intention to preach a very simple message today for anyone needing deep theology go home and study but maybe something from my time in prayer and in the word would help you to see something from this story that possibly you have not seen before I have only two points everybody say two points Hidden within them may be a few others, but I'm very clear to every aspiring preacher and every teacher in the room that leads in any way. I have two major points. I start with this very first one that I think everybody in this room needs to understand. If Mary and Joseph can lose Jesus, anybody can lose Jesus. It doesn't matter if your family's last name has been around the church for a hundred years. If Mary and Joseph can lose Jesus, Anybody can lose Jesus. It doesn't matter if you have a calling on your life. If Mary can lose Jesus, anybody can lose Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're a strong, resilient man of God. If Joseph can lose Jesus, anybody can lose Jesus. 
I remind us here today from these very scriptures that the enemy has a very clear objective. He is out to steal. He is out to kill. And he is out to destroy. But there is one whose name is above every name. And who was God manifest in the flesh. And he said, I not only came, but I've come that you might have life. And that you might have life more abundantly. And so I speak over this congregation and I speak over this city. Everything that the enemy wants to steal, God is able to give back. Everything the enemy wants to kill, God can resurrect. Everything the enemy wants to destroy, come on, where's... Where's somebody that really believes what I'm preaching? He meant it for evil. But God is able to move in on that which has been destroyed and work it out. Nudge your neighbor and tell him anybody. I could never be lost. Oh, yes, you could. Oh, yes. I could lose Jesus. It's not possible. Beg to differ. I don't want you to raise your hands for this, but I bet we could have people all over this house if I took a poll. If I ask you that you've ever seen anybody in your life walk away, Jesus, that you never would have imagined. How's it happen? I'll tell you how it happens. One of the easiest ways they lost Jesus is they stopped talking to him. If they would have been talking to him, they couldn't have got a whole day and then lost three more trying to find him again. But when you stop Jesus, it'll take you farther than you planned on going and it'll cost you more than you planned on giving. That's why we are a church that believes in prayer. We believe that when we get up in the morning, we ought to talk to him. When we walk by the way, we ought to talk to him. When we're lying our head to the pillow at night, we ought to talk to him. Talking to Jesus is... Come on, it is the appropriate understanding that I'm in proximity. I don't want to get so far that he can't hear my voice and that I cannot hear his voice. But if they can lose Jesus, anybody... Not me. I've taught Sunday school for 40 years. She had him in her womb. She wins. <laughs> Can you imagine mothers that have ever felt the kick of a baby? Can you imagine that kick? She carried it. It was divine conception. It was angelic visitation. It was supernatural birth. I know it's not Christmas, but can we talk about it? She had the divine revelation. And Joseph, when he would have put her away privately. The Lord had spoke with them. The angels had ministered. And they lost him. Parenting 101. What do they tell you in the hospital? Don't shake the baby. Don't lose the baby. Don't, don't shake the baby. Don't lose the baby. But he's 12 years old now. And there can be this dangerous assumption. The older they get, the less leadership they need. Boy, I'm after that because that's a part of the generation we're dealing with right now. Let them make their own decisions. 
Let them make their own call. Where are the people that would still say, ask for me in my house? We will serve the Lord. What they do when they get out of the house is up to them. I know I can't micromanage that. But as long as they're 12 and 13 and 14 and 15, come on, they're living in my house. This is what we do. We go to church. We serve the Lord. We live for Him. We give to Him. Come on, we're a worshiping house. We're a giving house. We're a praising house. We don't listen to excuses like, I don't feel like it. We remember who the parents are. I got seven amens and seven awkward smiles. Come on, we know who the parents are. It's not that they were being bad parents. For years, I, 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 I took shots at Mary and Joseph. I just, humorous. You know, sometimes you try to be humorous when you're, Preaching to a bunch of people. And, and some people are really engaged, but some people are. And so I've talked about Mary and Joseph. I, I've wondered about this. It, it's not written in the scripture. If it would have been me, Brother Gallion, I'd have looked at Mary and said, great job. Good job, where's your boy? And I can see Mary looking back at him and say, no, he's acting like his father right now. <laughs> to which Joseph could have said. <laughs> Not pinning that one on me. And it brings me to my second point. With my first point being that if Mary and Joseph could lose Jesus, anybody can. But my second point is this. If Jesus can get left behind, then anybody could get left behind. I tell you assuredly, and I tell you as clearly and as calmly as I can, it is not the will of God that any should perish. For he came to seek and to save who? The lost. He came to seek and to save the lost. And we have been and we are going to be a church that is about reaching for the lost. But in all of our reaching for the lost, we better not lose those who have been found. Simple truths, but I'm going to preach this part as great as I know hell. Because one of the greatest attacks of the enemy is to allow people that have worshipped among us to slap silently slip out of the peripheral. And as long as the building is full, one of the greatest parts of this new agenda and structure and what we're doing. Over the last week, I have lost track of how many people have told me, Pastor, I met people I didn't know go to our church. Wasn't just people from in here. Wasn't people just in the altar. Some of it was in the coffee shop. I had somebody tell me last week, they said, I introduced myself to a new person that told me they've gone here two years. 
You know what you want to do in that moment? You want to say, right, 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 yes. I, I just hadn't got a chance to make it. We're welcoming people that have been here. Part of what we're doing is actually being able to tell who's here. But also, who's not. I tell you here today, if my kids go missing, I want you to know. I want you to know not so that you can talk about them on the phone. I want you to know so that you can reach for them and tell them they were... could not find Jesus. Where did they go? They didn't go to prayer. They went to the kinsfolk and acquaintance. And while I gave Mary and Joseph a hard time for all these years, it was a month or so ago that the Lord just stirred me in prayer. He kind of did one of those. Somebody said, a, a, I think Brother Merrick might have said a two-by-four, spiritual two-by-four. That's kind of what it was when the Lord spoke to me and said, my friends didn't even know where I was. When they came to the kinsfolk and the acquaintance, they didn't know where Jesus was. His mom and his dad didn't know where he was, but his peers didn't know where he was. I know everybody's got to walk this walk for themselves, but part of being the body of Christ is that when hell tries to let a fence steal people, and when hell tries to take an occasion, I know that Jesus wasn't lost. He was about the will of God, but you follow my principle right here. If you cannot know where Jesus is, then surely you might have the ability to miss where brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so is at. And if we're not careful, people will be gone three, four, five weeks and be out of full building so no one... But I've come... But I've come to tell the enemy we're not settling for that. And we're not going to let people slip through the cracks. And if you're watching online and you think nobody cares, I'm preaching from heaven for you. Telling you, don't you stay offended. Get back to the house. Your body loves you. Your brothers want you. Your sister. Come on, somebody needs to throw your hands in the air and say, I'm not going to let anybody be lost. Canaan, if you're missing church, I hope more than me and your mama are reaching for you. I want you to know, and I don't ever try to use my kids that very much, but I'm going to put you on as an example. If you start missing church, I hope it's not up to just me and your mom to know whether or not you're living for God. I hope you got some friends. I hope you got some acquaintance. I hope you got some church body that'll come by and pick you up and say, I've been praying for you. I've been missing you. How many know sometimes we got to pick them up? I didn't want to offend you. No, I wanted to get you back to the house of God. I've been missing you. It's not the same without you. Things aren't the same. Life's not the same. Worship is not the same. Yeah, but pastor, not everybody will live for God. Maybe not, but we've all got to try. Kinsfolk and acquaintance. They expect their mama to call them. But they're not expecting your call. When you, some precious gray-haired elder, 
gets on the phone and says, baby, I've been praying for you. Can I tell you a secret about the average person that slipped away? The average person that has slipped away has been sold the feeling. You ready? If pastor calls, they think it's my job. If they, their parents come find them, they think it's their duty. But when kinsfolk and acquaintance, some people have started to get back into some old ways. Some people have begun to wander. Ooh. That's why there's something about the body. It's why we are people that we believe in getting together and calling on the name of Jesus and putting down. I'm going to go. Listen, I know I'm online. I know you're listening to me. If you're missing, we put your name. You don't think we do get on Zoom in the morning. Look at the list of people that are missing. I don't know if you should do that. That's exactly what hell would like us to think. But I'm going to tell you, we're going to put names on the list. And we, you hear me, we need to pray for them. But we also got to reach. We got to reach him. And we got to reach them. We got to reach him. And we got to reach them. I'm telling you, it's not the will of God that your co-worker be lost. It's not the will of God that your sibling be lost. It's not the will of God. I'm not accepting for one moment that we have to believe that they're never coming back to the house of God and that we'll never find them. It might have been a day's journey and then it might have been three days of searching, but there was restoration. I want you to lift your hands in this room right now. With hands lifted, would you begin to say, God, put somebody on my mind I'm supposed to reach for. God, put somebody on my heart I'm supposed to reach. I feel like we need to pray for a minute. Let's just pray. I, I want to keep preaching. We will, I think, but just, just pray. Ooh. Come on, every person in your own way, pray, pray, pray. Brother Grantlin, run up here. We've just recently come through the Indiana Fair. So thankful for members of our church, different individuals that are very involved. Brother Ray's very involved. But I want to go back to the old. How many remember the old sound of the carnival or the fair sounded like this? I can see you as a little boy just excited. Mommy, 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 I want to shoot, mommy, I want, I want to shoot the ball.
Grantland, what would happen is they'd get to this carnival. You get to this place, and maybe not in Indiana, but the rims would be bent, <laughs> look more like an egg than a circle. The ball, I don't know about you, but half the time when I go to shoot the ball, it's got like these bumps out, like ball's got a tumor. <laughs> and they make you a good deal. It's a deal that you can't refuse. Five dollars, you can get three basketballs. And Grantland said, Mommy, 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 Mommy. Mommy, please, Mommy. And Dad said, no. And Mom said, oh, let him shoot, Jason. Let him shoot. <laughs> Y'all work that out amongst yourselves. <laughs> and he shoots, and that last ball's the best one, and he almost makes it, misses three, misses three times. And so he said, what does he do? Mommy, Mommy, Mommy. Now, whether it was a young man or whether it was an older, when the carnivals found, it was the origination of terminology for the mark because when they found a person like that that was good at spending money, they'd say, you got it this time, you got it. And as they walked around that carnival, they were marked. And people knew that they were the gullible one you could take advantage of. And I submit to you here today that the enemy is consistently looking for people that he can utilize offense Hurt, change, family dynamics, the frustration that nobody called, and sometimes the frustration that somebody did. And what the enemy's trying to do is mark you. Let him be known he's an easy target. There should be no apostolic easy target. But as long as you're people, it's going to happen. As long as we're flesh and blood, it's going to happen. But what I believe that God is trying to do is he's trying to remember that while the enemy might have marked us, Acts 20 and 8 tells us he marked us, but he marked us a little bit different. He took us and he purchased us with his own blood. And where the enemy tried to label us one thing, he said, no, 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 no. I found them. I washed them. I picked them up. You might have plans to destroy them, but I purchased them. How many really believe your family could be saved? How many believe your mind really could be whole? I've come to preach to you today in this conclusion that we are not going to be marked by the enemy, but we're going to be marked by the blood. I want you to stand with me all over this room. Brother Grantland, I want you to stand here and I want you to lift your hands because the mark of the enemy would say you're deflated, but the mark of the blood would say who you were is not who you are. Who you, what you've been is not what you have to be. I wish somebody would lift your hands and start thinking about somebody in your life that you're ready to get covered in the blood of Jesus. You might be here today and he's been trying to steal your mind and God is here to give it back. He's been, yes, yes, yes. He's been trying to steal. He's been trying to kill your thoughts and your emotions and your marriage. And, boy, I hit something right there. Been trying to kill your marriage and God is trying to give you some things. Some, he's been trying to destroy your identity. 
Brother Merrick was on it here a little bit ago when he's talking about strongholds and the changing of identity because the devil's greatest ploy. You follow it, you follow it, you follow it. From him being cast out of heaven, walk or slithering in the garden, all the way through when he walks to Jesus in the wilderness, and then all the way into the book of Revelation. The entirety of his being has been consumed with this thought, the changing of identity. And everybody in this building was lost. To anyone that feels overwhelmed, good news, we were all there. Nobody in this room was born into this physical world saved. But faith in God. Repentance of sins. You know, a big part of it is you squaring your shoulders and telling the devil, I'm not who I was. I'm not, I'm not who I, I know that I was a mark. I know that I was gullible. I know that every time there was change, I got rattled. I know that every time somebody talked about me, I'd walk away for a while. I know that every time somebody gave up on me, I'd give up on you, but I'm not. I'm not who I was. I found my identity. And through repentance, he entered a bokosataya. And baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Who in here has been baptized and you remember how wonderful it felt when those sins were washed away, when you went down in that water in the name of Jesus for the remission? Come on, the remission of sins. Thank God for His blood. And how many know that our identity is truly understood? The washing of His blood and the infilling of His spirit. Not my spirit, little s. The Holy Spirit. That Holy God. For every person in this room, I humbly submit this biblical truth to you. You can't do it alone. He designed it this way. It's not that you're weak. He designed it this way. You need God and you need the body. If you're watching online, whether from a distance or right here in Indy, I want you to hear me right now. You need God and you need the body. I've heard a preacher recently, Brother Mark, say, he's talking about the blood and the blood flowing through the body. He said that's one of the great tricks of the enemy is to separate. He said, but anybody that has any knowledge about the human body at, at all, knows the reason that if an appendage is lost or gets cut off, God forbid, and forgive the gruesome illustration, but if the appendage is removed from the body, the blood can no longer flow. And one of the greatest tricks of the enemy is to say, I know you were washed, but we're, we're, we're going to change all that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you get offended, I'm going to let you get upset, and I'm going to...
but the body. The body says, no, 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 no. We're not the same without you. Grantland, we're not the same without you. We don't want to do it without you, Grantland. We don't want to have church without you. We don't want to have ministry without you. Yeah, but pastor, what if they won't receive it? Their lack of reception does not excuse our lack of reach. I want you to lift your hands if you will. I'm done. But I don't think the Holy Ghost is. Lift your hands. If you're in this room right now, you know people that God is stirring your heart and your mind to reach for. I want you to lift your hands. You might even want to walk out and come to this altar and say, God, I'm going to bring them to the altar. I'm going to come pray some strength in the altar before I reach for them. But I'm tired of letting them be the enemy's mark. I'm tired of letting them be the enemy's joke. I'm not just asking anybody today. I'm asking the kinfolk. I'm asking the acquaintance. You might not know them well. Maybe they sit in a section across the church, but you're part of the acquaintance. You say, wait a minute, I'm not kinfolk. Yes, you are. You're the brother. You're the sister in Christ. 